This is Generation Education. Join educator Ruth Baynott Mondays at 11 a.m. as she explores modern parenting, physical, emotional and social development from pregnancy through adulthood. Mondays at 11 a.m. right here on 101.9 High FM. You're listening to Ruth Baynott on Generation Education. So Wednesday is Purim. All the kids are really excited. They're going to be dressing up in their favorite characters, princesses and Spider-Man and you name it. They've been telling me for the past few weeks what they're going to be dressing up as. But what is the significance of dressing up and what is Purim all about? I've got with me today Rabbi Penny Pink, and he's going to be chatting to us all about Purim. Good morning, Rabbi. Good morning, Ruth. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. I wanted to ask you, Rabbi, why do we dress up on Purim? So that's a great question. And apart from the obvious one of that it's a lot of fun for the kids and, you know, makes it all that much more exciting, which we try and do in general with when we're teaching children about the Jewish heritage and stories, it's obviously to make it as alive as possible. But there's a bit of a deeper message as well. Interestingly, God's name is not mentioned in the Megillah, in the story of Purim, the scroll that Malachi and Esther wrote afterwards retelling the story. God's name is not mentioned in the Megillah even once. And the very simple message from there is that we don't necessarily need to see God right there at the forefront of the story for him in order for him to be able to be doing his miracles, doing his thing. And making sure that, you know, as as we always like, that there's a happy ending. That is one of the reasons why we dress up, is to remind us that during the Purim story, Hashem was hidden. Hashem wasn't at the forefront of the story, yet he still, you know, made the made the miracle uh, of Purim. There's, a, there's another reason which we are given that the Talmud tells us that and during the time of Purim, the Jews were, you know, under serious duress. And part of the way of getting out of it was by pretending not to be associated with their Judaism. They would pretend to serve other gods, etc., even though we know that they didn't and they stayed true to their Judaism. But again, being that this was a whole concealed element, we conceal ourselves, we hide behind behind a a mask, a costume. And lastly, um, Purim is about giving to the poor. And for someone to have to go and put out their hand and ask for charity is a very embarrassing act. And on a day like Purim, we're told that anyone who puts forward their hand, we should give them. So this minimizes their embarrassment because they can hide behind a costume. No one knows who they are. And that right, way right. they can, uh, you know, go out there, collect their money um, and, uh, you know, obviously not, not be embarrassed. Yeah, I've just got images of mini Spider-Man and Princess Elsa's on the corner with their hands out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Rabbi, besides Hormontassens, are there any other traditional Purim foods? So not really that come to mind off the top of my head. Hormontassens really are your your Purim go-to food. Um, In in Hebrew, in Israel, they're called Aznei Haman, the ears of Haman. Um, some associate it with the, the shape of his hat. I don't quite imagine he had quite triangle ears, but, uh, you know, again, it's part of the joy of the day, sort of making making it lighthearted and everything. Um, other than that, the idea of food on Purim is to actually have a sort of diet, to vas, to, to make the bracha on bread and to actually 
do the benching after the special paragraph we add into benching. So it's not necessarily the food we're eating, but the fact that we should actually make sure to sit down and have a festive meal on the day of Purim. Um, and that's, uh, that is one of the mitzvot of the day. But in terms of actual food, the food which we eat, you can vas and eat, you know, whatever, whatever bread and whatever food, uh, you know, does your thing. Yes, all right. And actually, you mentioned about one of the mitzvot, which I wanted to ask you about, uh, Mishloch Manot. Let's just chat a little bit about that. So Mishloch Manot is written in the Megillah. It's one of the things that Mordechai and Esther established as a way to commemorate the day. So that leads me to asking you, what about Mishloch Manot? So Mishloch Manot are the food gifts which we give on Purim. They are they, they started off in the Megillah. It talks about it at the end. It's something which was established by Mordechai um, and Esther in order to commemorate the festival, commemorate the day. And the basic premises does not need to be anything fancy, does not need to be anything expensive. The idea is to give two different foods to one person. If you do that, you have fulfilled the mitzvah. Now, what does two different foods mean? They don't necessarily need to be two totally different foods. They can be two different types with the same bracha. Many people um, say that, you know, no, it must be two different brachot. So you must have an apple and a chocolate bar. Um, It can be the same bracha. So it could be a chocolate bar and a cold drink would, you know, would would do the job. There are actually, which most people don't know, minimum weight of how much, you know, each item should be, that it should, sort of should has to, you know, be worth giving. And it also has to be something which is ready to be eaten. So you can't go give them a, I don't know, a, a, a raw, whatever it is, you know, that they're going to have to go home and cook themselves. It has to be something that you can, you know, eat on the go, so to say. So that's the idea. Again, it's, it's to bring a, a joyous and communal atmosphere to the day we go around. I mean, kids, obviously, the younger they are, they give to all their classmates and it becomes a whole big you know, swapping and sweet collections. And, you know, I think I, I did, you know, often think maybe that, you know, Mordechai had some connections with a dentist because somehow, <laughs> you know, it's associated with lots of sweets. But uh, yeah, that's a, that's the a basic idea of it. That's so sweet. <laughs> and Rabbi, I wanted to ask you about the Megillah, the Book of Esther. Why do we have to hear it twice? And when are we supposed to hear it? So the start off the easier one. Why, when are we supposed to hear it? So we meant to hear it on, Tuesday, on Wednesday night, the 6th this year, Wednesday night, the 16th, which is the night of Purim, anytime after nightfall. And then on Thursday, sometime during the day, Thursday the 17th, um, sometime during the day. Ideally, most people will hear it first thing in the morning, but it can be read at any time. You don't just practically, you don't need a minyan. Obviously, a lot of times it's read at shuls, but you can um, you can hear it anywhere. It can be read for one person and uh, just a, a bit of a, a selfless shout out. If anyone does need a Megillah reading and they're listening and they know they're not going to get it, get in touch with your rabbi, myself, your nearest Chabad rabbi, whoever it is, um, and we will gladly um, you know, come out and, and read Megillah for you wherever you are. Um, but why do, we, why do we listen to the Megillah twice? So there's a few different reasons given. And interestingly, the, the only mitzvah we do on Purim twice, um, all the other mitzvahs um, are only done one time. And rabbis teach that there are two different obligations given um, under, that, under that heading. The, the, the one idea is 
the uh, the obligation of obviously hearing it at the night, which starts it off, and the idea that this is, so to say, beginning of the festival to take you into it and to sort of remember it. The second one is more reliving it on the day um, we, we relive that whole Purim story and just on a practical level as well, sometimes when we hear miracles, we can never hear enough of it. So the fact that we hear it at night, which sort of gets us into that Purim mood. And I still remember as a little kid, it was like excitement going to shul on, on you know, on the, fir- on the night of Purim to hear the Megillah and seeing everyone's costume. And that's like, you know, starting the day on a, you know, the evening on a high. And then the next day again, you hear it again to re- reaccount it and to, you know, really understand the whole story. Yeah, it's also some of my favorite memories. All of us kids piling into one car to go to shul, all of us shaking our shakers and all dressed up. And it is, it's, it's something really special and creates beautiful memories. Rabbi, thank you so much for chatting to me this morning about Purim and wishing you a very happy Purim. Thank you and to you and all the listeners. Ray, thank you so much. You're listening to Ruth Baynard on 101.9 High FM, Generation Education.